The text for the sermon this morning is Matthew 27, second part of verse 51 to verse 53, but we'll begin reading at verse 45. We'll begin reading at verse 45, and we'll read to the end of verse 54. Matthew 27, verse 45. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection... They went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. And our text starts with the second part of verse 51. And the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised And coming out of the graves, after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. That's the text for the sermon this morning. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe you're somewhat surprised at the text because it seems more like a Good Friday text than an Easter Sunday text. Jesus Christ was risen on Easter, wasn't he? Death was defeated. So why this text from Matthew 27? Well, congregation, Good Friday and Easter are closely connected with each other. For on the day that Jesus' body was placed in a tomb and this large stone rolled against its opening, on that same day, Many graves were opened, too. Christ's glorious resurrection, Easter Sunday morning, was actually preceded by the resurrection of the bodies of many people already on Good Friday. And those risen people were later on seen in the holy city, Jerusalem, we're told in the text. Christ. Payment for sin, his death had great effects which silenced those who stood by his cross mocking him. That great veil of the temple between the that's that hung there between the holy place and the holy of holies was torn in two from top to bottom, not from bottom to top, top to bottom, to show that it was a divine action. And at the same time, there was an earthquake. Every time God acts too in the Bible, 
we see the earth shaken, and we're told that the rocks split open around Jerusalem, and that resulted in the tombs around Jerusalem, and people all wanted to be buried around Jerusalem, outside the walls of Jerusalem. Those tombs were opened, and many bodies of saints, of people who had believed in the Lord Jesus but had died before Good Friday, maybe like old Simeon, you remember, who held the baby Jesus in his arms in the temple, they were raised to life. Well, we'll listen to the gospel of that initial resurrection of those saints at Jesus' death and their appearing to many later on Easter morning. And our theme is simply graves were opened. Matthew, in his gospel, briefly concisely, soberly, tells us what happened at the moment of Jesus' death on Good Friday when he cried out, it is finished. We would have maybe liked to have a more detailed account of all those things that happened at that moment. And you could ask a lot of questions here In this context, in this passage for which we don't have any straightforward answers, they're not described in any of the other Gospels. Who were those saints who had died and whose bodies were raised? Did they know why their bodies had been raised at that moment? And if they had been raised on that Good Friday and only were seen later by others in the city of Jerusalem, where did they stay in the meantime? How did they show themselves to those people in Jerusalem on Easter morning? Did they talk with them, meet in their homes? What was the reaction of those people who saw them and recognized them? And what happened to those risen people afterwards? A lot of questions. You could, you could ask a lot of questions. But congregation, we have to restrain our curiosity here. Matthew the Apostle only wrote down what the Holy Spirit inspired him to write and then he only wrote down what is necessary for us to know in order to believe God. To believe what is written. Believe the Son of God. So there will always be unanswered questions surrounding these events that happened on Good Friday And Easter morning. And Matthew is sparse in detail. And that's because he wanted to draw our attention to the main thing here. And that is that Jesus' death is this huge turning point in the history of the world and of mankind. We mentioned that on Good Friday already. This is the greatest turning point in history. For at the moment that Jesus cried out and yielded up his spirit, graves were opened, dead people were raised to glorified life. And all this pointed ahead to what was going to happen on Easter Sunday morning. 
to Jesus' resurrection as the great victory over death. It's like when a child looks forward to a birthday, right, with eagerness. How many days? How long yet? Keeps asking the parents, how long? And then a couple of days before their birthday, they see dad coming home from the mall trying to squirrel a large package and hide it somewhere in the house. And they see that already. And yes, they, it fills their heart with anticipation. Well, so that resurrection at Jesus' death, described by Matthew, that resurrection heightens the anticipation of the resurrection of all the saints when the day of the Lord comes. And don't forget, the disciples had a hard time wrapping their minds around the fact that Jesus, even though he had told them many times he'd been raised on that Sunday, they had a hard time seeing how that was possible. But this already instructs them of what is to come. And notice, congregation, how tersely Matthew lists those events that took place at Jesus' death and his last cry. He lists them one after the other. The earth quaked, rocks were split, graves were open, many bodies of saints were raised. You know, it's as if you were there watching and you see the one thing happening and then something else happening and yes, one after another. Astonishing, one astonishing thing followed by the next, even more astonishing. And obviously all of this together emphasizes this is God's doing. This is not some chance happening. The crust of the earth shoving over one part of shoving over the other by chance at that moment. No, this is God's doing. And he wants to show that the death of his son does not mean defeat, but glorious victory. That victory of Christ brings about cosmic happenings. And with that, God, as it were, puts a huge exclamation mark behind Christ's death. It is finished, he cried out. Victory over death and the realm of death has been achieved. And on hearing that voice, it is finished. Then earth could no longer be still. And the graves, some of the graves could no longer stand it and they were opened. And that shows that, that the graves have no, no right to stay closed forever anymore. Now God in time will break them all open in time. His son has atoned completely for sin. And so death can no longer hold him or his own forever. It has to release them. Those people around there around Golgotha were astounded when the earth shook and the rock split. At that moment, Jesus shouted, it's finished, and gave up his spirit. And they saw tombs opened. We know, we know there were many tombs not far from Golgotha. In fact, Golgotha apparently was a, a hill in the middle of a cemetery. 
We know that from John 19. Joseph of Arimathea's tomb where Jesus was buried later that day was located, it says, close to where Jesus had been crucified. That garden was there by Golgotha. Many of those tombs carved in the rock in that area, softer rock. Those tombs just split open because of that earthquake. The people there on Golgotha could see open tombs. But even more astounding was that when those tombs were open, many of them were empty. Not all of them. Notice that Matthew speaks of many, but not all. He specifies, verse 52, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Saints here means people who had believed God's promises, who had seen Jesus as the promised Savior, but who had died before his crucifixion on that day. And we mentioned Simeon as an example. Maybe even Joseph, his father according to the flesh. Only the bodies of those who had sincerely believed in the Lord Jesus but had fallen asleep, in other words, had died, before seeing his work finished, they were raised. And not even all of them. It says many of them. Many of them. And that must have been quite something on that Good Friday Who would ever have expected that? And it seemed as if Jesus' ministry had come to an unhappy conclusion. He couldn't come off the cross. He apparently couldn't save himself. He had died and later on that evening also was buried. But those events surrounding his death showed very clearly Jesus' death was not defeat. Even the centurion standing there exclaimed, about that. This clearly showed that the person who hung on that cross was actually the great victor, the Son of God who by his death robbed death of its power. The first fruits of his death for sins were already apparent. The bodies of many saints were raised to life. Their bodies were glorified. Their souls returned to those bodies and they came out of their tombs On Good Friday. And Easter morning, when Jesus himself would rise from the dead, Easter morning hadn't even happened yet. He had only just died that Good Friday. But his death had immediate effect in the realm of the dead. People disappeared out of their tombs. Bodies restored and glorified, like Jesus' body after his resurrection. Could be here, could be there. And just like all believers' bodies after the last day. And you see in that the power of Christ's death and the anticipation of his resurrection. You see in that that the sins of the saints, those who believe in him, have been fully paid for. There's nothing left for them to do except cling to him in faith and hope in the life he has obtained. 
Yes, congregation, I don't know if you ever meditated on this passage or wondered about this. What in the world is this about? But Jesus' death on the cross meant that death has lost its hold on his own. Many believers who had died raised to life. What magnificent evidence that his work hadn't failed but had gloriously triumphed. The final proof he had been victorious over sin and death and Satan. That was, of course, his own resurrection on Easter morning, but this was the anticipation of it. And then it goes to, our text speaks about Easter morning. After Christ's resurrection. Most commentators agree today that verse 53 has to be translated differently than we have it in the New King James Version. If you read verse 53 in the New King James, you see that it says that the coming out of the graves took place after Christ's own resurrection. However, it's better to connect the words after his resurrection to what follows. After his resurrection, they, those raised saints then, went into the holy city and appeared to many. After his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. If you have a New International Version, 1984 edition of the Bible, you'll see that that's how that version has it translated, has translated it. The the Greek text lends itself to that translation. The earthquake, the splitting of the rocks, the opening of the graves, the raising of the bodies of many saints then all took place on Good Friday. The appearance of the risen saints to many in the holy city took place after Christ's resurrection. So Christ was raised and then other saints also appeared in the city. You can picture things taking place something like this. Good Friday, tombs broken open, could be seen that many of the bodies of those who had died in the not too distant past were no longer there in their graves. Those bodies were gone, tombs empty. However, after another earthquake, on Easter morning and our Lord's own resurrection and appearance to the women and to Peter and John on Easter Sunday, those risen and glorified saints also appear to people in Jerusalem. And they obviously would appear to people who still recognized them, who had known them in life here. Grandma, grandpa, son, daughter, father, mother. And you can imagine how amazed those people must have been to see their children or parents or grandparents appearing before them. And then disappearing again too. It must have happened something like Jesus' appearances to his disciples on that Easter Sunday. They saw him. They could touch him. And they could speak with him. And then we could also assume that would have happened with those risen saints. They appeared, it says in our text, in the holy city. Jerusalem. That holy city received a sign. Open graves, risen saints appearing here and there throughout the city. Another sign, in fact, for the Lord had given that city lots of signs before that. 
Matthew deliberately calls Jerusalem the holy city here because it's the city where God had dwelt among his people for many centuries, where he was worshipped in the temple and in the temple service. All of that pointed to Christ. And you know that dead bodies were unclean and didn't belong in a holy place like a holy city where God dwelt among his people. But these dead saints had therefore obviously been sanctified and glorified by their resurrection and they went about the holy city showing that death and decay had been overcome. No more uncleanness because of death for those who are in Christ. And that city, you know, had been set aside by God as the place where he wanted his name to dwell. That city had heard the promises of salvation more than any other city in the world. Via the temple worship and via the mouths of so many prophets who had been there and also via the mouth of the highest prophet and teacher, the Lord Jesus himself regularly went to Jerusalem to preach there. God sent his only son to proclaim salvation to that city, but they took him outside the city and they nailed him to a cross and they put him to death outside the city. But if Jerusalem thought it could get rid of Jesus and things could go on as before, they were mistaken, weren't they? For that city was shaken literally and figuratively at that time. An earthquake at Jesus' death on Good Friday. Graves opened. Bodies of people who hoped in Christ raised. And then Easter morning shaken again. And people appeared who had died. They reappeared. A serious call to the people of that city yet. All the people because must have heard about that. For what had Jesus spoken some time before in that city? We read it, John 5, 25 and 26. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he's granted the Son to have life in himself. Something of that already. When Jesus cried out on the cross, the voice of the Son of God cried out in victory already. And some of the dead already heard and lived in anticipation of the last day. Well, Jerusalem had to hear the gospel of salvation and life more than, more often from the Savior himself. And then on Good Friday, that earthquake and open graves and many of them empty, the Lord forces those people in that city to face the truth and to think about Jesus on that Good Friday And he forces them to think about that again on Easter Sunday. Shakes them up. Literally. Also spiritually. For while the risen and glorified Lord appeared only to his disciples, those risen and glorified saints appeared to many in the city. The text says many. Clear testimony of Jesus as God's son. Whose voice raises the dead to life. And with those things, the Lord God says to that city, look, Jerusalem, here are the the tangible proofs of the truth of Jesus Christ's gospel of life, clear proof of his prophesied victory 
That cross was not defeat for him out there, but victory for him and for all who are his. Consider those empty graves. Look at these believers who have been raised and glorified or simply listen to the reports of the people who have seen them. So you see, sign of victory for believers, but a warning sign for those in this city who refuse to believe. And if those people in the holy city still wouldn't believe, well, what were they doing except bringing eternal condemnation on themselves? God's patience eventually wears out. And that's what happened to that city and the majority of its inhabitants too. They brought God's judgment on themselves 40 years later. God's patience came to an end with them and the city, the holy city, was flattened by the Romans. They refused to believe the clear testimonies given to them also on that Good Friday and Easter morning. So coming to a conclusion with our text this morning, we see that it gives a serious warning and at the same time offers glorious comfort. First of all, comfort. Graves were opened Good Friday, the day of Christ's death already. And after his resurrection and glorification, many who had died before appeared with glorified bodies in the city, appeared to many. And you know, you read that and that holds great promise for us, doesn't it? For our future. A lot of believers have died and been buried over the ages. Their bodies remain in the earth. They return to dust. Also, many of our loved ones. How wonderful it will be when Christ cries out again and all those graves are opened at his return in glory. The earth will be shaken at his voice. The graves will be opened and the dead will be raised incorruptible. When Jesus cried out and gave up his spirit, many were raised. And when he rose, they appeared to them, to, to them they knew, knew with glorified bodies. And then they went to heaven to be there with glorified bodies already, with Enoch, who ascended into heaven physically, with Elijah, who was already there too physically, and others like them who are there with glorified bodies already. And above all, with Jesus Christ, who ascended there bodily in glory and is at God's right hand until he comes again to judge the living and the dead, then all will be raised and the Lord will not forget one of those who hoped in him. They will hear his voice and live with him forever. What a comfort as we contemplate what happened on Good Friday and Easter morning. But also a serious warning to all. Jerusalem, that holy city of the old covenant, that city refused to accept the gospel of our Savior and all the signs that accompanied his death and resurrection. And therefore, even though that city had all the glorious promises proclaimed to it and shown to it, 
it ceased to be the holy city anymore. All those who refused and still refuse to believe in the salvation and life there are in Christ will be raised too, to life, but only to eternal condemnation. What about us, brothers and sisters? What about you? Have you heard the gospel of Christ's death and resurrection? You've heard that over many years. How many times already? The Lord has invested a lot in you by letting you hear it over and over. He invested a lot in you, called you, gave you his promises in his word, sealed those promises with the sacraments visibly. How do you respond to the gospel of Jesus' death and resurrection? Do you respond with faith, accepting that gospel and centering your life around the Lord Jesus and the glorious life there is in him? Are you living for the eternal joy which he has laid away for all his saints? Because one day he he will come back. His voice will be heard again and the new Jerusalem will descend out of heaven to the earth. And the earth will be shaken. And the dead will be raised incorruptible. And that holy city where the Lamb will live with all his own in everlasting blessedness, will be united to earth. Congregation, brothers and sisters, is that your true hope and peace on this Easter day? Amen.